Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan William, your host. Today I'm talking with Darshan Mehta. Darshan is the founder of iResearch.com, an insights platform to quickly and affordably extract insights from customers worldwide. And connectquick.com, that's spelled connectquick.com, which is an app for instant connections and engaging interactions. He's also the author of Getting to Aha. In today's episode, we're going to discuss what it means to have an aha moment and how to improve our business using customer insights. Today, we're going to cover the following key takeaways. Number one, in order to effectively build a relationship with our customers, we have to find that emotional connection, that aha moment. Number two, to have an aha moment, we have to have a series of conversations with our customers and ask them the right questions. Number three, a company that doesn't innovate is going to become obsolete. And number four, as we pay attention to our customer insights, we'll find it easier to connect with our customers and build and maintain a successful business. Thank you so much for joining us today, Darshan. Hey, great to be here, Nathan. I should give you the proper Thai uh, sawadi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Danyavad, thank you for joining us. Okay, so tell us, what is something that you are super passionate about? I'm really passionate about having conversations. I really think that's the key to many problems we face in the world, but certainly a lot of problems that people face with branding, marketing, and advertising. Um, and I think as the world is becoming more and more digitized, we're actually having fewer conversations. But it's becoming even more and more important, I think, to have those more meaningful, deeper, engaging conversations where you can really tap into you know, insights. Yeah, I love that. Plus those connections, those conversations create connections as well. All right, I, I wanna dive into your book first. I love this concept of getting to aha. What do you mean by getting to aha? And, and tell us about the, you know, the key takeaways from this book. Uh, getting to aha is about that aha moment, right? Getting to that uh, insight that you say, aha, that's really interesting. And that really makes sense. And you basically, come to a real realization, a uh, crystallization of thought and idea, and you really uh, understand something deeply. Um, and the way this came about is uh, I've been fortunate enough to be working in branding and advertising and research for many years. And I've seen a consistent pattern of a lot of clients and you, know, you just kind of see what's uh, common among many industries and so on. And, and one is that as you have more conversations with people, uh, in the form of, you know, formalized uh, focus groups and so on, you actually can tap into what people think, feel, and really understand their triggers. And if you really think about it, you know, research is a complex word, but what is it really? Research is really uh, organized curiosity. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> right? Basically, we're, 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 if you're curious and want to dive into what people are thinking and feeling, you know, that's what's going to make the difference. Because even in this very competitive uh, digitized world we live in, there's a common factor. We're all human and we're all basically emotional creatures. And if we can tap into an emotion, I think that really makes a difference with our products or services and our satisfaction with those products and services too. I'll give you an example. I would say one of the best people I know that give insights um, are comedians, right? How many times have you had a really great comedian and you say, oh my God, that is so true and it's so funny because they're basically taking something that happens in life, combining it with a societal trend or technology or whatever, putting it together and crystallizing into a thought. And you say, 
That is so funny. I never thought of it that way, but that's absolutely true. It's like a truism combined with everything else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're saying that that comedian got to the aha moment for us, right? <laughs> right. Right. That's an aha moment when you've had it with a comedian. That, and that's what you want to try to get to with your product, your service, or your brand. So you make that connection with your audience. Okay. So you told us a little bit about how a comedian might get to that aha moment. How do we as business owners get to that aha moment? It's actually not that complex. It's really just having uh, a series of conversations. But what I mean by conversation, I'm not talking about a one-way conversation which has been the tr traditional way of advertising and marketing, right? You put out the ad and you talk one way. But I think the times have changed. And now people are looking to not really just buy products, they're really looking to buy experiences. And so as a result, you want to be able to make a connection with the audience. And so what I mean by having a conversation, you want to talk, but as well as listen carefully to really what they're saying. And you want to try to keep going to a deeper dive in the conversation so you can actually get to the root cause or the triggers or their fears or the things that really make them dissatisfied. So we think of a few companies that come to mind when we think of these experiences. You think of like Disney and as they've, as they've done expansion, they didn't just launch a new Star Wars ride at Disneyland. They created the whole Disney world that you could go through and experience and drink the blue milk and, you know, everything Disney and and they just launched their new galactic cruiser hotel where you can have a two-day experience within this Disney world. So, so Disney is huge on creating these experiences. Um, can you give us some other examples of some companies that have found the aha moment and, and successfully created those experiences you're talking about? Sure. I think Apple is a great example. Uh, if you go back to the introduction of the original iPod, right? I mean, this was a, a, a really pivotal moment because Apple was by no means the first MP3 player or music player. You know, they were late to the game, so to say. But what they did was something different. And this is where I think Steve Jobs recognized that the price of hardware storage and drives was coming down, but capacity was increasing. And at the same time, recognized that a lot of people were frustrated because they couldn't take their entire music collection with them. Remember what? Remember carrying all those CDs with you and putting them in your player and you can take them all with you. But then he came up with that one emotional connection that I think made the difference for the launch. And that is he pulled it out of his pocket and he said, now you can take a thousand songs with you in your pocket. Yeah. And it's like, what? A thousand songs? That's more than my entire CD collection, right? And to take it in your pocket. And that's what I'm talking about is getting that kind of insight where he knew where the technology was going in his industry, but he also knew the frustration that's out there in the marketplace and combined the two with a new solution, but wrapped it up in, a, in, an, in an amazing summary by saying you can take a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah, I love that. And the interesting thing, I remember Simon Sinek in his book, uh, Start With Why, he talks about how Apple was not the first company to develop that technology. That technology, it was a company in Japan or something like that, that had already build the technology, but they, they marketed it as you get this many gigabytes and, you know, this much storage. And it, they hadn't marketed it based on an aha moment like you're talking about. And, and so what Steve Jobs brought to the equation wasn't brand new technology. What he brought to the equation was exactly what you said, pulling out of your pocket and saying, you can carry a thousand songs in your pocket. That was the aha moment for everybody. But then, but then, but then they went through another. They went through another additional step, and that is, they put in that flywheel, 
that made you say, oh my God, that is really cool. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, so it's not just, it's making that emotional connection, but then having a wow factor. I would say that, you know, if you really think about it, it's not that complicated in terms of how you can actually be uh, successful in business. Because typically you're going to be doing one of three things, which is either you're going to save people time, money, or making something easier, right? And if you can do one of those things, I would say your chance of being successful are 1x. If you can do two, it's 2x. And if you can do three, it's 3x. But I would say you can actually increase that if you can have an emotional connection, evoke an emotion with your product or service. You can take that to 6x, 10x. I'm not sure. It depends on the emotion, right? So if you can actually solve three things plus add an emotion, I think your chance of being successful are exponentially increased. Okay, so in today's interview, you wanted to talk about how we can improve uh, our businesses using customer insights. When you define customer insights, what does that term mean to you? It's basically understanding technology uh, trends, societal trends, uh, having an understanding of your consumer's buyer behavior, uh, their, their triggers, their motivations, their fears, and combining that all with an insight. For example, GE. Uh, I'm sorry, not G, but Gillette had basically 72% of the market for razors, right? And their innovation was adding uh, one more razor. So we had two, three, four, five blades, right? But what they neglected to see was that was taken away from the experience in purchasing. So what was happening as that became more and more expensive, stores had to basically put them under lock and key because people were stealing them. <laughs> so in order to go buy a razor, you had to go find a clerk, go open the cabinet and get it. It just took away from the entire experience. So up comes a new startup that basically changed the entire buying experience. You can get it by mail, subscribe to it, and you don't have to deal with any of that. And so, you know, it, it's all about understanding that there's opportunities in the marketplace all the time. And one of the things I would advocate uh, companies do is really become their own competitor because you really can't control what competitors do, but you can control what you do. And if you are constantly innovating, then you're going to stay ahead of obsolescence because any company that doesn't you know, innovate is going to ultimately become obsolete. Absolutely. This is such an important lesson. Okay. Monetization nation, stop. Listen, we're going to restate this and, and make sure you get this point. So many existing businesses, they come up with some thing that works, right? And then they, people in the company try to do that over and over again to keep that success going. And they try to protect the goose that's laying their golden egg. But they miss that there's these tectonic shifts that are changing this business landscape. And, and they spend so much effort trying to keep doing what was successful they missed that they were successful because they leveraged a tectonic shift. But as the business changes, they've got to also leverage the next tectonic shift. And, and if they don't, their competitors will, and then they get disrupted in that process. And so just like we found one thing that worked, we've got to always be looking for that next, next thing. Steve Jobs is famous for saying that we've got to disrupt ourselves. We've, we've got to do it or, our competitors are going to do it to ourselves. I'll give you another great example. It's Kodak. I mean, Kodak actually invented the digital camera, even though, you know, this is back in the 70s. And uh, the, one of their inventors or innovators told them that this is where it's headed and that basically people are going to be watching uh, their pictures on television. 
But at the time, Kodak, you know, it, it, they didn't want to hear this because they made all their money from film, paper film. And ultimately, you know, as you said, the tectonic plates shifted and they basically missed, um, you know, ultimately licensed their technologies, but it wasn't enough. And so, you know, they even had the patent on it. Like they could have owned that the future of their industry. So you know, it's one of those things. And, and it's also like, you know, also when you're getting feedback from customers, you know, sometimes you don't want to hear the negative feedback, but I'll tell you, that's usually where the real opportunity is to make them into raving fans or super fans. If you can address what their real complaint is. So if you walked into my business and you were consulting with me and saying, I'm going to teach you how to leverage customer insights to grow your business, talk me through the process, the advice that you'd, you'd give to me. Sure. I'd like to first understand what your objectives are as a business, right? Uh, and also your brand. Ultimately, what is it you want to communicate and create with your brand? Because if you think about it, a brand is basically something we're taking out of thin air, creating and we're trying to humanize it, right? And so I'd want to know, how do you want to humanize your brand for the long term? And once I know that, I'll then find out who is it you really want to target your customers. And so let's go out and talk to them. Let's find out what they're thinking and feeling and have those conversations. And uh, luckily with my platform, you can do it much more affordably now than you could in the past with iResearch. And so that's one of the reasons I, I developed the platform is to allow people to do it at a much more affordable cost, faster, um, anytime, anywhere, and in any language. So, for example, if you uh, spoke, let's say, Hindi or you know Chinese, and you want to do focus groups from uh, uh, the U.S. and those countries, you could in, in a different language. And so, you know, once you get that understanding of your customers, and uh, then you can actually do a, a more uh, elaborate survey if you want to actually, um, you know, get the actual numbers and extrapolate that to a larger population. And then you actually have a much better understanding to make much more informed business decisions and strategic decisions, because now it's based on actual understanding and knowledge of your customers, but then you're actually extrapolating it to a larger population. So look, you know, in business, you really have uh, two choices. You can listen to your customers sooner or later, because in today's digital economy, you're going to hear from your customers one way or the other, whether you like it or not, Right. And it's all about growing the credibility of your brand. That's right. And and we definitely will hear with them by how they vote with their pocketbook, right? We 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 either gonna listen in advance and build our product based on what they want and what they care about, what they're passionate about, or we're gonna find out by what they buy or don't buy, you know, later on and, and lose money in that process. But even after they buy, now they're gonna post reviews, comments, right? So I mean, so that's very easy and attainable. I mean, we all have access to so much reviews and comments, as well as we have the ability to do that now. Now, that, that's a conversation that's going to happen with or without your brand. But I'm actually saying have conversations also with your customers so that you also are, are going to know that, you know, the more satisfied they are, you pretty much are going to know where the reviews are going to be headed and the comments are as well. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's just let me try to restate some of the best ways to have these conversations that you're talking about. So you're talking about just having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, get on the phone and talk to them or, or, or have uh, social media conversations, talk to them, right? That would be number one. Number two might be focus groups. Um, number three, once you, you understand some concepts, you might do a survey where you can extrapolate it to a larger statistical sample and, and kind of validate some of the things that, that you think you're learning from the smaller groups of people. 
Um, and then you're talking about listening on social media after you have the product, maybe listening to the sales that are going through and looking at the data and, and the analytics, and then also looking at what people are saying after the fact and the reviews they're sharing and, and how they're talking about it on social media. Did I state the, the best ways to do that? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Yeah. And I think the last part we didn't talk about, but that you're getting into is like big data, right? And when you have all this information, but here's the problem with big data, it tells you what they've done, but it doesn't tell you why they did it. Right. So what we're trying to buy with insights is trying to get at the why, why do people do what they do? And what, because there's also opportunity in there to find other ways to maybe satisfy or meet their needs that are not being met currently. It's kind of like in hockey, right? Do you, do you, are you going to be successful by going where the puck is or going by where the puck is headed? When we do this and we reach out and we're, we're interviewing and, and surveying, uh, what questions should we be asking? Lots of questions, but you want to start off broad and get more and more specific. So let's say, for example, we were doing a focus group on athletic shoes, right? I would not ask you specific brands right away. I would ask you, hey, Nathan, when you think about exercising, what shoes come to your mind? Because what I'm trying to do is, is to understand what are your top of mind thoughts and feelings and, and uh, what comes to top of mind quickly. Because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you and us to tap into your subconscious. Because 95% of the decisions you make are made by your subconscious. But that's not something you go from point A to point B very quickly. It takes some time. You have to have a conversation. You have to build trust with uh, rapport with your audience and your customers. But what happens is if you do it as a group in a focus group, you know, everybody kind of feeds off each other and goes deeper in a deep dive. For example, when you go to a cocktail party, right, and you meet some friends, you start having a conversation and you're all just feeding off of each other and say, oh, my God, that's really interesting what you said, Nathan. You made me think of this. That's what you're trying to get into, that deep dive conversation. And that's when you're going to start getting into the insights and unwrapping those insights that are going to make a difference. So it's it's not just being shallow, one size fits all, asking everybody the same questions. It's it's being willing to go deep and continue to explore kind of when you, you've hit that vein of gold, you dig deeper and, and mine that vein of gold. Yeah. And as you get specific, then you can ask about specific brands and everything. You can even talk about specific messaging, but you want to try to get, uh, you know, broad and narrow, narrow, narrow. And basically the entire group is driving that conversation, but you as a moderator actually know where you're headed, but you want to get everybody there so that by the end, people are just so engaged in this conversation, no one really wants to end, but you've learned a lot about, you know, their underlying motivators, triggers, and their feelings. Okay, so we've gathered these insights. We've found things that they love. We found problems they're facing. We've we found big pains that they have. We've we find products that they they really want to buy from us, right? We've we've gathered this insight. What advice do you have for us? after that for how we should implement effectively that those insights. So that's when you go back to your expertise in your industry or your area and you say, hey, how can I meet this uh, need? And again, I'm going back to those things we talked about earlier. Is there a way I can save my audience time, money, or make it easier? But even if I can do any one of those or all of those, can I also evoke an emotion? What was the real driver behind that need or that problem? Is there a way I can tap into that? Going back to the example of you know Steve Jobs, he said, I'm not only going to make you a machine that can play many songs, but now I'm going to get a bar of a thousand songs. I was like beyond what anyone could think, but put it in your pocket, right? So that's what I'm talking about. Come up with a way you can synthesize the key benefit in an emotional, impactful way. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, if you had to just give us your your top three most important ideas, advice, strategies, secrets for uh, successfully gathering and leveraging insights, what would those three key secrets be? First, uh, believe and, and, and pursue the power of conversations, right? There's a lot of power in conversation. You just learn a lot because, you know, we all bring different life experiences with us and you need to learn that from your customers as well. So you can see opportunities uh, for you as a, uh, as a brand or a product. Uh, two, now, don't be uh, uh, discouraged or disheartened if they're negative comments. In fact, sometimes those are the best ones you want to tap into because they may actually open up a whole other avenue that you can really tap into and create super fans. Uh, there's lots of brands that have done that. Patagonia is one of them, right? Uh, he basically was a, an avid hiker and explorer and hated everything out there. Said, you know, nothing out there fits. So I'm just going to build my own clothes <laughs> for the for the super nature lover. And that, that's what they did. Um, so, and, and the third is, you know, it's an ongoing process. It's not like you do it once and you're done. It, it's, it's an ongoing process of learning, growing with your customers and, 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 and building that long-term relationship and be willing to give up something that's maybe worked for you for a long, long time, because, you know, the, 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 the winds are changing and it's something that you see that's happening on the horizon. Because as I said, today's insights are tomorrow's facts. If you look around your world right now, there's many things that we take as given, but at one point that was an insight that someone created and it then became something that we all accepted as a part of our life. Can you share with us a story of a company that has effectively uh, leveraged insights and maybe the impact that that had on their business? Well, one of the biggest examples is Procter & Gamble. I mean, they were one of the original ones to really innovate research and they've done this for years with all their brands and uh, categories. And they've uh, done a lot of qualitative research in focus groups. And uh, the problem has been, though, with focus group research, it's always been too expensive and out of the realm of really uh, possibility for many small to medium-sized businesses. But that's where I'm trying to change that with the iResearch platform is to basically you know, democratize it so that more companies have access to that type of research. And, you know, oftentimes people want to get at the why, but they end up doing surveys because they're more familiar with them because everyone's taken a survey, but also tends to be less expensive, but they're still dissatisfied because they can't get at the why, right? And what you want to do is get at that why, because that's where the real uh, crux of it is. And then you can get into the how many and how much and all that. So how does the iResearch platform help companies to do that? Explain to us how it works. Sure. If you were to do traditional focus groups, it's a very expensive endeavor from uh, transcriptions to travel costs, meal costs, things like that. Whereas with the online platform, you're eliminating a lot of those costs. Um, you know, you get a transcript immediately. You can have people log in from all over the world. You're not geographically tied to one geography. There's an interesting thing I found with an online uh, chat-based uh, focus group. There's two unique advantages that I've seen. One is when you pose a question to a group of 10 or 15 people, everyone can answer because they're not interrupting because it's text-based. Whereas like now in an audio and a video, we can only talk one at a time. And as a result, as you know, there's some people that are very quick out of the gate to respond, whereas others a little bit more thoughtful, take their time. Whereas with this methodology, you can actually ask everybody a question. They get an opportunity to respond, but then they can see what everybody else responds. So they build on top of that, but they still, you get that original insight from really everybody. And so that's very helpful. You get, and so you'll end up seeing the transcripts are so much longer and much have much more depth and information that I've seen in other uh, ways to do it. 
And the second thing I found that's really interesting is people tend to be a little bit more thoughtful when they have to put their thoughts into writing. Uh, again, we don't worry about the grammar or the punctuation as long as we understand what you're saying. But it's interesting, and they tend to be just a little bit more thoughtful in their comments and everything when they have to put it in writing. Thank you so much, Darshan, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with Darshan, you can find him on LinkedIn. You can visit his websites, iresearch.com and connectquick.com. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode on our site. You can also get a free copy of my ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success in leveraging customer insights. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.